rich in their palaces, the poor and unlearned, and the men of degree. They all have a soul in need of salvation, and they all have to glad he saves old sinners, young sinners, and all of them, right? Amen. That's good. I like that song. What a great message that song has. Well, let's take our Bibles, turn over to the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 13, and uh, we're going to continue uh, with our lesson from last week. We're going to step into another area of, uh, that we're going to look at how to measure your Christianity a little bit. And again, it's, um, we'll just, we'll see how that lands, how it falls here, but Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Told us we're going to have all this sunshine, and fortunately we got a little bit of it today, didn't we? And uh, boy, we didn't get it on Monday or Tuesday. I thought we were supposed to get a little bit earlier this week. Hopefully by the, hopefully get some more the rest of the week. I don't know about you, but I like sunshine. And uh, it's funny today. It's funny how, you know, you start reading some articles, different things. You know, they tell you, don't go out in the sun, you'll get cancer and all that. And then they tell you, well, if you don't go out in the sun, you get no vitamin D, and then you get cancer because you don't have vitamin D. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? It's like, what? I, <laughs> so I, I go out in the sun, and I take tons of vitamin D. So anyway... 
Okay, some of you are so sleep in the night, it's terrible. I mean, really, it was bad tonight. I come in here, I, I was, you know, kind of rushing around here at the end, and, and I'm thinking, wow, did they start or not? I could hear Brother Josh. I thought maybe he was practicing. Yeah, but anyway, I'm glad you're here. We'll see what goes on here today. I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I'm feeling any more alive than you are about now, uh, so, but, but I, don't, I don't know, you know, so we'll see. Maybe I'll get a little round up. We'll see if I can kind of stir things up a little bit, but... I don't know that I feel like stirring anything up. I feel like maybe taking a nap about now. You, you ever feel like that? You know, just like all I want to do is just lay down and, you know, I don't know. I don't know what caused that. They say that's stress. I, I don't know. I don't know why I'd have any stress. But anyhow, Acts chapter 4, verse 13, all right? Acts chapter 4, verse 13. The Bible tells us, and it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Now, last week we began our series, uh, at least this short series. It's kind of a mini-series. And we were talking about how to measure your Christianity. And the first thing we, we began to note is that these men had been with Jesus. And uh, boy, what a powerful, powerful effect it had on their life. And we saw the boldness of Peter and John. We looked at the verse and we said, now who were they in the verse? And we realized that they were those Jewish officials of the council, a very uh, high-ranking religious order. Uh, they were learned men, and of course they could have been perceived as being extremely intimidating, obviously. I mean, uh, here they are surrounding Peter and John eventually, and they're questioning them, and they're asking them why or what, by what power they did what they did and all of those things. Peter and John, of course, they don't really have any real credentials, if you will, and they don't try to impress them with their credentials. They, they didn't try to awe them with their fantastic oratory. They didn't attempt to wow them with their exceptional knowledge of the Bible. They just simply were like, hey, we've been with Jesus. Hey, we've got a message to share, and uh, that was basically it. And so we noted here that uh, the reason why these men were so bold, and again, the passage tells us now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled at and took knowledge of them. They had been with Jesus. So again, the reason why they had this great boldness was that they had spent time with Jesus. And so we kind of turned that around and we said, okay, so what does that mean then? That means then if we spend time with Jesus, then we should see a natural boldness come forth. We should be a, more bold with our witness, more bold in our lifestyle, all of those things, okay? We, we hold true to our position and to the Word of God in the midst of a culture and society that seems to be going downhill. We're still going to stand. Why? Because we've been with Jesus. And so we said if we're going to gauge our Christianity, we really want to measure our Christianity. Uh, one way we can do that is by looking at whether or not we have an attitude of boldness when it comes to the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God, and, and, and to Jesus Christ and our witness for the Lord. And, and again, if we have that kind of boldness, then it's probably most likely that we've been with Jesus. However, if we don't have that boldness, it could be that we really aren't spending the time with the Lord that we ought to. And so we kind of, you know, kicked that around. We talked about that quite a bit. And uh, we spent, well, quite a bit of time addressing it. Now, Tonight, we want to consider another visible sign that provides us with a way to measure our faith in Christianity. Then, And we want to pull it right out of that same passage. I, um, 
I'm just going to share it and, and we'll go from there. But basically, it's this thought. They surprised the onlookers with a supernatural work. They surprised the onlookers with a supernatural work. And again, the Bible says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They marveled. Man, they saw this, they, 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 they saw the boldness, that caused them to marvel. But they also saw, as we'll talk about here in just a moment, this great supernatural work that they did in the power of the Holy Spirit and in Jesus Christ. And these learned men, this council, marveled. They marveled. I want to have a word of prayer, and then we'll just kind of kick this off and we'll go forward. Father, we thank you for this time together. We do ask, Lord, tonight you'd speak to our hearts in these next few minutes. May you work, move, and just truly align our hearts with you. May the word of God truly inspire us to be better for you. Father, your word is a living word. And, and, and as we receive the word, we receive life. May the, may the word of God come alive, be alive in our hearts. May we open up our hearts to you and your word and allow you to have preeminence and place in our life. We love you now. We need you. May you just do a work and help us, Lord, to identify areas of weakness in our Christianity. May we truly be willing to measure our faith or Christianity as well uh, by even some of these simple thoughts now, Lord, help us, Lord, to be honest with ourselves and with you. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So they surprised the onlookers with a supernatural work. Peter and John, of course, had gone into the temple at the ninth hour. And there they met a man, a man who had been, well, lame from birth. This man was over 40 years of age. He had spent the better part of his life, as a matter of fact, probably the majority of his life, without walking. Now, in those days, of course, they, people as a whole probably didn't have quite the life expectancy that we have even now. And you say, oh, I know certain people that lived really long. Yeah, they did. You take people like Abraham and others and even before, man, they lived a long time. But not everybody lived to be 50, 60, 70, and 80 in the day when Jesus was around. Let me tell you, this guy's over 40. Mm, he's starting to count down his days. He had lived his life without walking. He was not a youngster. He wasn't some young person. He was fully grown, a man. And there he lay at the temple. There he lay asking alms of people that passed by. That particular day, he met a couple of men that would change his life. Peter and John came along. And Peter and John were about to enter that temple, and that man asked them for some money, if you will. He asked him for some alms. Acts chapter 3, verse 4, the Bible says, And Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. Look on us. And, and we'd say, Well, why in the world did Peter say to that man, Look on us? Here he is, the two of them, I should say, coming into the temple, and they're making their way in, and there's this man laid there across over there. He's just asking alms. I would imagine that hundreds of people at some point passed by. I'm sure that he laid there as it insinuates and implies in Scripture on a regular basis. His face was very well known. His person was well known. Ultimately, the people would recognize him once he was healed. But there he lay, and he lay there without walking. Man, Peter and John come by, and all of a sudden, he says, 
Alms, alms, and they stop. Peter looks at him and says, now, John, look at, look at us. Look on us. You say, why would he say that? Because probably the guy wasn't looking at him. You say, what? No, he probably watched hundreds of people go by. He probably just laid there kind of like, alms, 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 never once even looking at most of the people that walked by. He laid there every day, all day. I'm sure he didn't look at every single person that went by. Alms, please. He's laying down. He's looking up. He's looking to the side. Alms, alms, alms. And Peter says, look upon us. This isn't your normal interaction. This isn't something you're going to recognize. This is a little bit different. It's unique than anything you've ever experienced. Look on us. He says, silver and gold have I none, as he looks him square in the eye. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. Now what in the world could he have that this lame man would want, seeing that he had no money and no gold? I ain't got no money, buddy. I'm sorry to tell you that. But what I do have, I'll give you. And the guy's thinking, oh, great. Here we go again. Here we go again. It's going to be just like the old church house. Everybody dumps off the clothes they don't want. This poor missionary, he gets the things nobody really wants. Oh, brother, I brought this bag of clothes for you and your family. And the missionary's like, thanks a lot. You didn't want them, and you're giving them to me. Got holes in the knees. Oh, well, that's right. That's popular today. Maybe they are new. I don't know. <laughs> Nowadays. I mean, I see people sometimes with them things. Can you imagine? They got holes all the way up to here, and they keep going up, and I start. You got to watch it, you know? And I'm not talking they're holy. They're literally holy. And they go all the way up and down, and it's like, you pay for those? I mean, like some of you young people are like, yeah, I would. Man, they're off, and they're cool. I can make some for you quick. I got that covered if you really want. I'll go into business if that's the case. I can take care of that. But he says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. Now, he then begins to say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And Peter reaches out his hand. He takes the right hand. He takes the hand of that man. He begins to lift him up. And all of a sudden, without realizing it, immediately he starts, he gets, pre, he gets uh, uh, healed in his ankles and in his feet. And before he even gets all the way up, he is like, woohoo! The Bible says he leaped. I mean, he didn't get all the way up before he leaped. He could feel the, the strength coming back into his body. He gets so excited, as we said, he leaps up in the air. He then begins to follow Jesus and John right on into the temple. The Bible says he's walking along, he's leaping, he's holding on to them. He's so grateful, so much gratitude. He hasn't walked what appears to be his whole life. He hasn't walked his whole life. He's been lame from a child. He's leaping and going, whoa, whoa, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
there's all this commotion. And of course, when commotion starts in the temple, people start to gather. All these people start coming together. What in the world's going on? What's all the commotion? They recognize this lame man. Oh, they had seen him a number of times, as we said. They'd walked by him over and over and over again. Even sometimes out of pure guilt, they just gave him something because, like, whatever, feel bad for the guy. And now here he stood right before them, leaping about. Peter then begins to address the crowd. And he reminds them of Jesus Christ. He reminds them of a life that they sought to destroy, who ultimately they crucified. They're obviously moved with conviction, and so Peter assures them that he understands. He says, Acts 3, 17, and now, brethren, I want that, uh, that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. Fellas, listen, I know you're getting convicted. I understand what's going on, but I do believe you did it out of ignorance. Sure, they were the culprit. Sure, they rejected the Messiah and the Savior of the world. There's no doubt that they were, they were content to release a murderer instead of freeing the Lamb of God. There's no doubt, and it was sure that they cried, crucify him, as he, he was there, as Pilate put that murderer there and put Christ there, crucify him, crucify him. Indeed, they cried, crucify him. They watched as he was led through the streets in shame, and yet they did absolutely nothing. They supported the Roman soldiers as they nailed the Creator to the cross, ruthlessly crushing bones and ruthlessly handling the Savior. Still, when a sinner's heart is touched by the convicting power of the Holy Ghost, you don't crush them with the weight of guilt. You convert them with the wealth of grace. And that's exactly what Peter and John did. Peter and John, instead of saying, yeah, I told you so, you guys are a bunch of murderers. It's all your fault Jesus died. If it wasn't for you guys, he'd still be alive today. He didn't do that. He just said, you know what? I want that through ignorance you did it. You had no idea what you were really doing. You were so ignorant of who he was and what he was all about. And so he opens up the opportunity for salvation to them all. You guys got caught up in the heat of the moment, didn't you? You got involved in that emotional frenzy that took place that day. But now you have no excuse now. Now that you've heard the truth, now that you've been confronted with truth, now that you've seen evidence of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to repent. And while he spake to the people, we know the authorities showed up. They weren't real happy with him. Why? Because of the message that he proclaimed. You know what the message was? A resurrected Christ. It was really that simple. The message was simply that Christ rose from the dead, that he was indeed Messiah, that he was Emmanuel, God with us. That was the message. But they deemed it fake news. The whole media jumped on it and said, that can't be true. We know he's just lying. Everybody can't be wrong, and he's right. That's impossible. You better watch what the media tells you today. Because I promise you, 
they don't believe in a resurrected Christ either. You better watch your rights on the internet, social media. Well, that big blabbermouth finally got shut up. Guess what? Yours will too. The resurrected Christ is not a popular subject. It offends people. It's a problem today. And it's going to become a worse problem. Being offended by that message, of course, they silence Peter. They silence John. You know how they do it? They haul him off to jail. Let's just shut him up for good. Throw him in jail for a while. Let's scare him. Let's put fear in him. They couldn't help but note the boldness. They saw how they had responded to things, so they just had to do something. So in Acts 4.4, the Bible says, Howbeit many of them, this is interesting too, even though the authorities throw them in jail, listen to this, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, the number of the men was about 5,000. Can you imagine that? Here they are getting hauled off to jail, and 5,000 men believe in the Lord. I wonder how many men, women, and children got saved that day. Can we safely assume that, that the majority of the people were probably married, and if not, there was a number of them that had even children? So we're probably looking at 10,000 people. Now we talk about Pentecost, 3,000 souls getting saved, but we have 5,000 men alone being saved here at this particular incident. All because of the boldness of Peter and John. All because of this miraculous miracle, this supernatural miracle. All because of a message that pointed to a resurrected Christ. I wonder, this is a good little question, because honestly, I, I, I think about things like this. If you knew without a doubt that 5,000 men would be saved if you were thrown in prison, would you be willing to go to jail? <laughs> I just wonder. I mean, I think about stuff like that. I mean, if I really knew that, if I could say, okay, I get to go to jail and get beat, abused like they did, you know, I get to be treated like they got treated, but 5,000 men and their wives probably and families will get saved, would I be willing to do that? I'm just asking. They were. We wonder why the gospel went around the world. It wasn't because people sat passively back waiting for someone to give them permission to tell, talk about the resurrected Christ. It's because they said, we have a commission. We are ordained to do so. We have a heavenly calling. Until young people and some of the older, including myself, get more bold with the truth, the world has no hope of ever being brought back to Christ. It will not be brought back by a silenced group of believers. I know that sounds radical, but it's biblical. So the inquiries begin. The question's asked, by what power and by what name have you done this? And here it comes. Don't miss it. Peter says, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified. Isn't that funny how he throws that in? He doesn't just say, okay, by whose name? Okay, let me tell you his name. 
His name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You know who I'm talking about, fellas, don't you? But he doesn't stop there. He says, whom ye crucified. Did you just see and hear what I just saw in here? Did, did you hear that real quick? Did you, wait, hold on. Let me, let's see if we can hear it again. Ready? Uh, let's see. By what name... Or what power, I should say, and by what name have ye done this? By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified. Did you just hear what I heard? You know what just happened there? What? Hold on, you didn't get it, did you? By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified. You know what he just did? Slapped them suckers right in the face. Did you hear it? He didn't have to raise his hand a lick. All he had to do is point his finger, so to speak, at those who said, crucify him. Oh, yeah, please. Let's keep the crowd going. Crucify him. Crucify him. And you hung him on a cross. Yeah, that's by whose power and name we did all this. And isn't it interesting what they did? They did something so horrible, didn't they? I mean, they're so wicked, these men. They literally healed a man who couldn't walk his whole life. How horrible and wretched are they? That's so horrible. I mean, who do they think they are helping someone like that? You say, is he serious? Of course I'm not serious. But the fact is, is that they obviously perceived it as a breach of their law. So, how'd it go for Peter and John? <laughs> they get to go off to jail. And uh, they get threatened. They're told, don't you ever, 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 ever Preach in the name of Jesus again. Don't you bring up the resurrected Christ. Got it? And they're like, huh? Get it? Got it? Good. Don't forget it. Why? Why all this trouble? Because the name of Jesus convicts and condemns. Because the name divides and separates the brethren. Because that name, Jesus' name, stands alone. It's interesting, when you start throwing around Jesus Christ, it's just not quite the same. I mean, use the name God or Jehovah, Peter and John, you're okay. Peter, John, use God or Jehovah. We can all agree with that. He, God or Jehovah, we're good to go. But Jesus Christ, uh-uh. So you can believe in God, but you can't believe in Jesus. It's another story altogether. Those are fighting words for the religious infidel. The religious folks have no problem with God, but Jesus is too specific and it wreaks intolerance. I mean, the Judaizers were learned in religious men. The last thing they needed, the last thing they would tolerate was some ignorant and unlearned men pointing out that Jesus, who they crucified, was and is the way, the truth, and the life. It's not going to happen. 
Can I tell you that God alone identifies and defines the way a man or a woman enters into his presence? Only God defines that. God determines that. You don't determine that. I don't determine that. Community Baptist Temple doesn't determine that. God does. Salvation is of the Lord because it is his salvation. He says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There, he decides whose name it requires. I, you believe whatever you want, but I'm going to tell you this. If it's not Jesus Christ you're putting your faith in, and don't tell me that every name's the same. It's not the same. And these are the areas that religious people get a little bit unnerving with, okay? We're all religious, and we all believe there's heaven, and we all believe there's a bad place, but the fact is, is that, you know what? We don't have to call them by the same name. We don't have to all believe exactly the same thing. Oh, we better be careful there, because there's only one way, because there's only Jesus Christ. He's only one God. Again, people say, once again, there you go. And can I tell you, it's that boldness. It's saying, stating that fact and that truth. It's being so intolerant to say there is only one way. That's what drives people insane. And that's ultimately what got John and Peter in trouble. It took boldness to say what they said and to do what they did. But see, they'd been with Jesus, so they had the boldness. Because they knew the peace of God. They knew the power of God. So they could preach a resurrected Christ. And the work that they did, this supernatural work, was a result, a direct result of their of being in the presence of Christ again. So we noted that spending time with Jesus provided boldness to the apostles. We noted that spending time with Jesus produced a supernatural work. So there you have it. Two visible signs that provide us with a way to measure our faith in Christianity. How's your boldness? And is there any evidence of supernatural work in your life and in the lives of those around you? Because that's proof positive that we've been with Jesus for the most part. Now, I guess somebody could fake it. We know that down the road, the Antichrist over in Revelation is going to have all kind of marvelous works, and he will not have, obviously, be saved. He will not have the Holy Spirit. We get that. But as a believer, let me tell you, if you're going to have boldness to stand and proclaim the name of a resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, in a world that is dark and hates him, you're going to need to spend some time with the Lord. It won't be just a little bit every once in a while. It's going to be where I have to spend some time. If we're going to actually do something that is viewed from the world's perspective as supernatural. See, what got these men's attention was the fact that there was a commotion. It started off because everybody else come running and, and was like, what's going on? What's happening here? And all of a sudden, the religious leaders kind of show up like, what's going on? What? Huh. <laughs> These troublemakers. Here we go again. So can you point to the supernatural work God's doing in your life and in the lives of others around you? 
Because if you can, then there's probably a good chance you've been spending some time with Jesus. So what's some of those works? Number one, bringing life to those dead in sin. I mean, Peter and John, they, they were able to bring somebody some life, if you will. They were able to raise him out of a bed of affliction. They were able to give him the grace and the power and the strength to stand on his own two feet. And we face a world that's dead in trespasses and sins. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2.1, and you hath he quickened, past tense, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Every single human being is dead in trespasses and sins. Somebody's got to give them the gospel. Somebody's got to tell them about Jesus Christ who can literally grant life to them, can raise them out of that bed, so to speak, that grave, if you will. They are dead men and dead women walking. They may look alive. They may act alive. They may seem to have everything that you wish you had, that I wish I had, but the fact is they are dead, 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 according to the Word of God. Spiritually dead. Now, if you had a choice to make today, if you could live a hundred years on earth and have everything you ever desired and wanted, or you could live forever and have everything you ever desired, which would you choose? You say, that's a stupid question. No, that's the question we get to answer every day of our life. You know what a lot of young people decide? You know what a lot of middle-aged people decide? You know what a lot of older people decide? I'll take it now, thank you. I'll take it now. People that are lost, though, this is all they have. That's it. This is it. Colossians 2.13 says, And you, hath, uh, you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And when you and I take that walk out amongst the world and in the darkness and we begin to shine a light, not everybody's going to be that pleased. Because, see, when you're in darkness and light begins to shine, it illuminates, it reveals things. That's a problem. But that supernatural work only comes by way of a person by the name of Jesus Christ. We have to carry him into the world or they will never, ever see the truth. I mean, how? listen, our nation is so divided right now, and I don't care if you'd show everybody the same exact facts, which I don't think all the facts are the same. I think they're skewed too. But the fact is, is that even if they were, I promise you this, one person will say, well, that means this. And the other person will say, well, that means this. Well, how in the world is that possible when you have the same facts and you come to two totally and completely different results or ends? It, how's that happen? Maybe it's kind of like Israel, who now that they've rejected Christ, they just can't see clear. They have a veil, the Bible says, that inhibits their ability to see the truth as a nation. 
They can look right at the truth and they can't see the truth because there's a veil in front of their eyes. Now there are Jews, individual Jews, who can be saved just like you and I as Gentiles can be saved. But as a nation, the Bible tells us they've been blinded. Well, what's the Bible say about the world we live in? 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Brother Joshua, you look up that. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4. Look that up, please. Then when you get there, stand and read it. Because it's an amazing thing. We cannot understand why people cannot see this simple truth. That Jesus Christ is the risen Savior. Go ahead. Hold on. It's hid, first of all. Go ahead now. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them. Stop. Oh my. Did you hear what just did you hear that? The God of this world hath blinded the minds. He blinded the minds. Go ahead and read from the beginning. Did you hear that? Thank you. Did you hear that? He blinded their minds. Why? So they can't see the light. You know what the light is? Truth. Our nation is so lost. We cannot see truth tonight. And we keep wondering why. How is it so possible that we could have gone so far astray from where we used to be as a nation? I'll tell you why. Because we've gotten rid of God. And the devil is blinding the minds of people. This is a satanic attack. And it's going to require a supernatural work to overcome. No one is going to be saved. No one is going to see the light. No one is going to be rescued from sin and Satan without a supernatural work. We talk about our relationship with the Lord, and we say, well, I think my relationship with the Lord is doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I believe tonight... Even before us, we have a picture of a couple of men who spent some time with Jesus. <laughs> because they spent time with Jesus, there was a holy boldness that they possessed. And they were empowered to do a supernatural work that was very visible to the world. The problem is, let's be honest, the problem is, we want the result without the price. Because when that visible work reaches the world, who then can be saved, 5,000 men, it didn't just see 5,000 saved, it drew the attention of those who would not listen, nor had any desire to listen, and as a matter of fact, were vehemently against anything and everything that had something to do with Jesus. And the fact is, is that when we start doing the supernatural work, 
And when you spend time with Jesus, your heart burns to do that. It burns. When you spend time with Jesus, you want other people to know him. It's going to take some real time with Jesus to help us hurdle over that one thing that stands in our way from doing the supernatural work that is visible in the world. And that's fear. We are not going to see God do what is necessary and needful to win people to him if we don't get past our fear. You will never get past your fear until you have been with Jesus. Not talking about once in a while. Let's be honest. We're not talking about every couple of days. We're not even talking about five minutes a day. We have to make Jesus our life. He's got to consume our thoughts. Our relationship with the Lord. How, how are you doing? How am I doing? Well, I think that if I take what's transpiring here in the book of Acts and I compare myself to Peter and John and I look at the, the effect that all of this had on these lost people and all the effect it had on the lives of others, I have to say to myself, you know what? One of the things that helps me, I mean, they, they had met with Jesus. They had been with Jesus and that boldness just oozed out of them. Boldness oozing out of me? Man, they had been with Jesus. And you know what? They made that supernatural work seem so easy. I mean, silver and gold have I none? But that which I have, basically, I give thee? Rise up. Walk. Here we go. Going to change your life today. How are we doing with our relationship? When you measure your Christianity by your boldness, by the supernatural work that God's allowed you to perform and to do in the lives of your family, your friends, your loved ones, as well as the community we live in, How's your relationship doing? And that's the only thing I wanted to try to get across today is give us an opportunity to really think about our relationship a little bit. Look at it from a different perspective other than our own. To see it from the standpoint of a world that they lived in that is quickly becoming the world we're living in. Yet they still had boldness and they still were able to do supernatural works for one reason and only one reason. They had been with Jesus. And you know what? Christianity will go by the wayside, so to speak. And I don't, I'm not going to get into debate with you whether he'll, there'll be faith when he comes back and all that. There'll be a remnant. There'll be a remnant. But Christianity will not be what it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, or even now if we don't spend time with Jesus. 
Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. I could ask, have you been with Jesus? But I'm not going to ask you that as we close. I'm going to ask you this. What do you have in place every day? What do you have in place as a schedule to ensure that you're with Jesus every day? It's not enough to want to be. You have to organize, plan it. You have to put it on the schedule. And I want to encourage you to not leave here without making a decision to not simply meet with him, but make a decision when and where every day you'll meet with him. Because I got this sneaking suspicion that boldness is going to be pretty high on our need list soon. I got a sneaking suspicion that the only way the world is really going to pay attention to us and our message is if there's some supernatural works taking place. So let's not leave here until we have scheduled a time and a place to meet with him every day. Saying, Lord, I want to meet with you because I need that boldness and I want you to use me to do a supernatural work to open the eyes of the lost to Jesus Christ. Father, we come to you. We thank you for all you do for us again. We thank you for the many blessings you've bestowed.